If you would to uh, would turn to the last chapter of Matthew. <clears throat> And that is Matthew 28. I want to read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and then Mark 1, 1, once again, this Lord's Day. You know the passage quite well in terms of the Great Commission. Listen to the holy, infallible word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of of God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what is the gospel? We ask, O oh Lord, this great question. Allow our hearts to be penetrated by thy spirit today in a way in which we know that the gospel is alive in each of our hearts and that we have been blessed by such a good an everlasting message that is grounded in thy Son. In Christ's name, amen. How do you react to a person who is very direct? Do you enjoy interacting with a person who does not hold back any punches, who tells you what they think with no holds barred, that they tell you directly and pointedly what is exactly on their mind without any resistance. Personally, I find such persons frustrating, but at the same time, ironically, a breath of fresh air. Frustrating because usually I do not want to hear their comments so directly at that particular moment. And yet it is a breath of fresh air 
because you know exactly where the person stands on the subject. There is no guessing or beating around the bush. In most cases, in my experience, I have found such individuals to be very honest and forthright individuals, which I definitely appreciate. You always know where they stand. (laughs) On the other hand, at times it is difficult to ask them to entertain a different viewpoint on the subject being discussed because their mind is already completely made up. Well, Mark is very direct, and his mind is already made up. In the very first verse of Mark's gospel, he does not withhold any punches, no holds barred. There is no guessing, though there is no beating around the bush. He gets right to the point. The thesis of his entire gospel is in that first line. There's no mystery. He tells you that the inauguration of the evangelistic gospel centered in Jesus the Christ who is truly the Son of God, it has begun. He is here. Look and listen no further. The person of Christ constitutes and he embodies the gospel and its action. The Son of God is the gospel. Christ is the good news. If you are a Gentile immersed in Roman culture reading this gospel, or if you are a fellow believer addressing Roman culture and the abusive nature of its government, which is evolving quickly under Nero, there is no mystery as to what the Holy Spirit has laid upon the heart of Mark to write. You get the direct point of the book immediately. To repeat, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. As you are about to look more closely at this first verse, I would like you to think about this verse in light of the progressive canon of the New Testament scriptures. In our introductory message last week, We made it clear that Matthew and Mark, although part of the synoptic gospels along with Luke, are nevertheless independent gospels produced directly by the breath of the Holy Spirit. Well, in the history of Orthodox Christianity, there is no ambiguity. The Holy Spirit is the final author of each book of Scripture. 
as he leads the church to quote from Christ's own words into all truth by guiding the formation of the canon of scripture. What is the canon of scripture? It is the 66 books in the Bible. That is what it is. That whole, every single book is written by the Holy Spirit. But permit me to go one step further. Not only is each book the product of the divine breath of God, but I would also suggest to you that the Holy Spirit also directed the order. Think about that. Place that in your mind this morning. The order in which the books appear in your Bible. Concerning the order of the books as they appear in your Bible, I wish to make two points specifically focusing upon the progression of the canon from Mark's gospel excuse me, from Matthew's gospel into Mark's gospel. The first point I want to make this morning with respect to that progressive aspect of the canon is this. Go back, if you wish, if you have your Bibles open, go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew 1, 1. Matthew 1.1 reads in the following way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What is interesting is that word for genealogy also has the meaning, that word also has the meaning Genesis. The verse can be read in the following manner there, Matthew 1.1. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. On two occasions in my lifetime, I have conducted a very intensive study of Matthew's genealogy. Permit me to highlight an appropriate point for our purpose here. As the first book of the New Testament canon begins with the narrative of presenting Christ, the Holy Spirit is placing on the pen of Matthew that a new genesis, a new beginning is here. The expectation of the new creation in contrast to the old creation has arrived in Jesus Christ. He who was expected as the son of David, the son of Abraham, has indeed come. You can trace, you can trace his promised lineage back to David And Abraham, let me say it plainly, Matthew's gospel is the book of Genesis 
in the New Testament. Did you hear that? Matthew's gospel is the book of Genesis in the New Testament. And, and in that, Matthew is pointing out the inauguration of the new covenant that has been delivered in the person of Emmanuel, God with us, who is Jesus, the one who comes to save us from our sin. Now with the coming of the new creation firmly established in Christ, as you read through Matthew, you come to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And the term there before us in that verse, you see the word beginning. Definitely pointing to the origin, the beginning of the gospel that is found only in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Enter Mark. In the sequence of the canon of scripture, the second book of the New Testament. On the back of Matthew, Mark is testifying that in the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the final eschatological age of the new creation has been inaugurated. Who has inaugurated this age of the coming of Christ? Well, you cannot miss in this verse that only God, only God has initiated such a great salvation in the person and gospel message of Jesus Christ. You have entered the beginning of the consummated age of our covenant Lord's redemption for his church. You're in it, congregation. You're in it. In the progressive unfolding of the canon of Scripture as given to us by the Holy Spirit, Matthew's gospel is the book of Genesis in the new creation. All things have become new in Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The old creation has passed away and the new creation has come. We are starting all over again. And in the sequence of the canon, Mark's gospel, here comes the key word, the key word, Mark's gospel fortifies, fortifies this new beginning, Jesus Christ. The very Son of God has begun the new creation. The final era of the Lord's redemption of his people. This point that Mark is fortifying to his readers that this final era has begun is made clear in Mark's first quotation of the words of our Savior. Do you know what the first words of our Savior are in terms of Mark's gospel? What does he record first that Jesus Christ said 
in his gospel. It fortifies exactly what we're getting at here in terms of this new age beginning in Christ. Look at Mark 1.15. I have pointed this out in the series in Malachi at times, but let me underline this and we'll underline this again when we come to this passage in our series. But nevertheless, look at this right now. The time is fulfilled. You always want to note, especially in the synoptic gospels, to understand the distinction of which each gospel is bringing in terms of its own theme, things that are unique to that gospel. This phrase only appears in Mark's gospel. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The final era of redemption is solely characterized by truly understanding into the deepest resources of your own soul the identity and the destiny of Christ in ministry to you as you read this gospel. The church. Place. Rest your faith solely upon Christ as you endure the trials of remaining darkness in this era between the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his second coming. Here is the special gift of the gospel of Mark to sustain you, to sustain you in that era Read it, meditate upon it, and open your heart to be fed and encouraged in the life of your beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, secondly, in terms of the order of the canon, Matthew Mark, which, watch this incredible sequence under the direction of the Holy Spirit to us, Christ's church. Think about how Matthew's gospel reads. You are very familiar, are you not, with its ending? We read it here this morning, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Let me remind you of the verses 18 through 20. Once again, if you have your Bibles open. And Jesus came and said unto them, the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now keep that passage 
clearly before you and in your mind. Note the canon in sequence into Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. With the divine authority given to Christ in heaven and on earth, as he states there in the Great Commission, the disciples are taking the message of the gospel to all nations. Now notice what follows Christ's words in Matthew. It is the gospel that is often referred to as Mark the Evangelist. You seeing the sequence? You grasping it? See what the Holy Spirit is doing in terms of the organization of the canon? Mark the evangelist, based upon the text here in Mark 1.1, in the Spirit's arrangement of the canon, after the great commission to take the gospel to all the nations, we have another narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Mark, the origin, the beginning of the message of evangelism that is to be taken, that is to be spread to all the nations. Mark's gospel is a message of evangelism of Jesus Christ going to the nations. Remember? Where is Mark's evangelistic message written to the church? Where did we say this is written? It's written in Italy or in Rome. Right within the fountainhead of the Roman Empire, as Christ puts it in Acts to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8, not only is the book of Acts the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the New Testament canon, but we should also read Mark's evangelistic gospel as the exact message of the fulfillment of the Great Commission going into the world. No other message than the saving, redeeming, joyful message that is found in Mark should occupy such a sweet aroma for your soul and fill your lips as you testify and witness for Christ in the marketplace. This does not mean, and what I am saying here, this does not mean that the other Gospels do not occupy the content in the proclamation of the Gospel in your life. I am speaking here of grasping this morning. I want you to grasp the sequence, the sequence of the canon message from Matthew to Mark. That's what you want to see. 
you see congregation, the Greek word for gospel in chapter 1, verse 1, is literally good news. Gospel. It is the word that is transliterated into evangel, which is the basis of the English word for evangelism. What a contrast with the sinful conditions of the world. Our own days on this earth are filled with bad news every single day. We allow our minds to be filled with that all day. Me included. (laughs) So as the church goes out into the world, to the nations, equipped with the authority of Christ, we have the complete opposite. Is that what is in our hearts? We have good news, the best news, the triumphant news that accents righteousness, holiness, peace, love, the glorious presence of the Son of God to a world that is full of hostility misery, injustice, anger, and hate. The world lives in the dreadful pit of iniquity and darkness. But we have good news in Christ. I ask you this morning, penetrate Grasp, live out the transition and movement of the very canon of God's word. It is absolutely beautiful and stimulating for us as a congregation and as we are joined by grace to Christ's body in solemn continuity with our Reformed tradition, it is my hope in accordance with an understanding of this Gospel of Mark to present the good news, the Gospel, the evangelistic message of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah of redemption from sin as the very Son of God, the creator of all things in heaven and on earth. Think about that. Now I place before you the challenge of that good news. Nothing Nothing prevents any of us at all from inviting relatives, friends, acquaintances to hear the good news 
from the pulpit of Christ's church. Nothing, nothing is preventing any of us, no matter where we are during our weekly journey, to live out of Matthew into Mark, telling people when and if opportunity arises by the providence of the Lord, the message divinely placed upon the pen of Mark. Remember, as we remarked in last week's introduction, the good news summary in Mark's gospel is with mind, heart, and soul to understand and embrace by faith the identity The identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, as well as to fully rest, fully rest in terms of your life, fully rest upon his destiny, crucial to Mark, his destiny to the cross and the empty grave as the celebration and the triumph of grace in the life of Christ's chosen people everywhere to celebrate your special privileged position that you yourself are included in the good news. In the good news. Is it good news to you? Or is it bad news? Is it good news to you? Or are you embarrassed by its good news? What a contrast we have in terms of the 24-hour news cycle we hear every day that makes us depressed. We've got to respond with gospel in our hearts. We have the good news to a world of bad news. All in our Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, We struggle. We feel the anxiety of our own day. But it's not new. It existed graphically 
in every age on the face of the earth. And we cannot miss it if we read through the revelation that thou hast brought to us in thy word. But what a triumph. What a celebration. What a glorious Savior we have in Jesus Christ. O Lord, minister through thy spirit with thy word in our hearts. Give us the strength and the power each day to set our mind upon our union with him who has brought us gloriously into his kingdom forever. Strengthen us in the gospel. Help us to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts with our lips, in our actions. In Christ's name, amen.